Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're moving. We're moving. It's going to be a great day. Let's get it. Come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I am obviously not in my normal space. I am traveling because we have a ministry partner event tonight. So I actually stayed with my brother last night in Houston. Anyways, we're here. We're here. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, your favorite pro-life morning show. Once again, I'm Lauren Musica, who apparently does not have a subtitle like <laughs> Nate does, but I am president and CEO still of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, your co-host. <laughs> and I'm Nate Robertson, Vice President of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And I have my subtitle. So there you go. Mm -hmm. um, it's such yeah. a great joy for us to join you again this Friday morning, each and every Friday, as we talk about what's going on in the pro-life world and how we can continue to change hearts and minds on this most important issue of our times, the cause of life. That's right. If you're joining us for the first time, we have it all here, folks. We've got prayer, headlines, victory story, tip devotional, more prayer. We have a special interview again this week. Uh, we won't spoil that. We'll let you know who our special guest is when it is upon us, but very excited to speak with him today. So you'll be hearing more about that in just a bit. Uh, our producer threw up a decent title for me just now, Prez CEO, Sidewalk Advocates for Life. It's close. I'll take it. Short and time. I am all of a sudden Lord of the Dance, which is definitely not true. So, well, you know, that's a very generous title for you, Nate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my 14 year old I, I, would absolutely disagree, and he yeah. is mortified anytime I pretend to dance. Anytime dad starts to dance. <laughs> so, I had like a coffee conundrum this morning. Um, I'm staying at my brother's, right? So, I don't have my usual nice coffee pot. We've all heard my coffee pot saga. So, I had Keurig coffee this morning. They do Keurig coffee, which I know you do. You do Keurig, right? Which is right. can be decent. Um, and I, I, I had some of the coffee that I made, and I realized it tasted maybe just a little bit different. It's hard to tell with Keurig coffee because it's it's okay coffee. If we can just be fair, it's not as good as like drip pot coffee. Um, and then I went into the pantry and pulled out the box, and I realized that these coffee pods had expired in February of 2023. So my big question is, does Keurig coffee ever really expire? I don't know. But thankfully, there was another box that didn't expire until January 2024. So I dumped it out as a good coffee snob would. And I remade my Keurig coffee, you know, in like 10 seconds. But anyway, so I'm just really curious to know, like, would it have done anything? Did, I mean, if you eat anything from the fridge that expired in February of 2023, you would be in trouble right now. But it's Keurig coffee. Is this really an issue? I don't know if you know the answer to that, Nate, or people would have put that in the comments, but I'm really curious. This is a hilarious question. I do not have an answer for that, but I have another question. So if okay. it's ground coffee that's been put into a individual you know, serving in a Keurig cup, what makes it different than ground coffee that's in a bag that you scoop out? Why is it different? <laughs> I think that there is an instant coffee nature to Keurig coffee. Like in other words, you don't oh, drink okay. the grounds from your bag of Starbucks coffee, right? You don't consume that. 
you put it in a filter and let the liquid go through and it makes you a happy pot of coffee. But with Keurig, you can't do that. You don't have a filter, right? I've literally thought about this. And well, yeah, you it, do. You don't drink the grounds. Well, yeah, <laughs> the grounds stay in the little like, cup. Well, you just made it sound like you might drink the grounds. I was helping you on this. <laughs> what are you trying to say? What are you even trying to say right now? I, I just, oh my god! I, I don't know. It's a it's a conundrum. That's interesting. But I do need to clarify <laughs> that even though I use my Keurig, I do put seven weeks coffee in my Keurig every day. So it's not like store bought coffee. It is America's good coffee. coffee. America's pro life coffee. That's right. We have a deal with them. I think you get ten percent off if you go yeah, through our link, right. and it benefits Sidewalk Advocates for Life. So there you go. There's our indirect pitch this morning. That's not necessarily That's where we right. were we were headed. There they are. There yes. They are. And you go through our special link. You can actually search on our Facebook page for like seven weeks coffee. The link will pop up, and anything you order gives a small kickback to the ministry. And it is good. It is good coffee. I will say that. It is um, really good. Coffee. I'm actually. Some of our ministry partners are getting seven weeks coffee from us this year, which is exciting. So, all right. Well, uh, maybe you have an opinion on Nate and my coffee conundrum. Uh, feel free to throw it in the comments. Coffee is important. The Lord gave it to us to be able to do our mission. So it's fuel for the mission, guys. Got to talk about coffee sometimes. <laughs> all right. Well, before we have another cheesy discussion, how, <laughs> how about, I need more coffee. How about you start us off with a word of prayer, Nate? You ready to get rolling? Sounds great. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together again this Friday morning. We're so grateful to be used by you, to be called by you, to continue to be messengers of hope and messengers of, of truth and being those who are there to help women who are in need, whether it's on a sidewalk outside of an abortion facility, whether it's in a pregnancy help organization, having a longer discussion. God, we're just so grateful to be called by you and, and that you would use us. God, we pray that you would bless our discussion this morning, that you would bless all of our sidewalk advocates and all of those working across the pro-life, pro-love movement today. God, that you would continue to show the miracles that you are doing as people are um, receiving information and receiving hope and help that they need in a, in a very difficult time in their life. God, we pray that you would continue to bless us that you would continue to go before us and protect us and provide for us. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cheers. All right, here is our headline this morning. So the Texas Supreme Court rules against pregnant woman hours after she leaves state to obtain abortion. So this has been very hot in the news right now. So a pregnant woman whose baby, about, the baby is about 20 weeks old in utero, has a life-limiting condition. Uh, this woman left Texas to obtain an abortion, her, her attorneys say, and the news came as the Texas Supreme Court ruled against Kate Cox, that's the mom's name, a 31-year-old 30, mother of two after she spent nearly a week seeking the court's permission to end her pregnancy. Cox's baby has a condition known as trisomy 18, which is when a baby has an extra copy of chromosome 18. The diagnosis has a very high likelihood of miscarriage or stillbirth and low survival rate. Cox's lawsuit citing doctors argued that continuing the pregnancy jeopardized both her health and her ability to have more children. Trisomy 18 occurs in approximately one in 2,500 diagnosed pregnancies according to the American College of Obstetri Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine. 
There is no live birth and about 70% of pregnancies involving the diagnosis that proceeds past 12 weeks gestational age, according to a legal filing that the two groups submitted to the court. Texas abortion ban makes narrow exceptions when the life of the mother is in danger, but not for fetal anomaly. Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton argued that Cox had not shown that any of the complications in her pregnancy rose to the level of threatening her, her life. The Center for Reproductive Rights has not disclosed where Cox went to obtain the procedure. On Monday, she would have been 20 weeks and six days pregnant. However, or excuse me, hours after Cox's attorneys announced that she had left Texas, the state Supreme Court issued its decision that ruled against Cox. It came three days after the court temporarily halted a lower judge's ruling that gave Cox permission to get an abortion. So this is a sad case, right, where a mother has received news of a prenatal diagnosis. Uh, we were actually looking some things up before the show, and it does seem that um, this woman, Kate Cox, very well may be also a pro-abortion activist. Uh, I don't have definitive information that confirms that. It's just an interesting piece of, of probable information. But either way, it's interesting that she took Texas to task for trying to get an abortion where she received news of a prenatal diagnosis. Um, the court ruled correctly in this case, in my humble opinion. Trisomy 18 is not threatening to a mother. It is life-threatening to a child, but and that child may not live soon after birth, but it doesn't threaten her life. In fact, if this mother is concerned about her future fertility, if she is concerned about um, her health going forward, she does not need a DNA abortion. She does not need a later term abortion where they'll insert a needle into her belly and it will cause her child to go into cardiac arrest and then they'll deliver the child stillborn, which is, again, unfortunately, what may, ha what may happen anyway uh, in regards to trisomy 18. So she's going to pay, what, thousands of dollars to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico to harm her child and deliver her child stillborn. And again, I know this is heavy, heavy discussion here on the morning show, but just from, you know, I mean, I don't mean to remove emotion from it. I understand that this is a bereaved mom and, and we need to understand and recognize that. But at the same time, why take Texas to task on this? And bottom line, there's never a reason to directly kill a child to preserve the life of a mother. If her life really is in jeopardy, they could do in a, an early delivery that's permissible. They could they could do a C-section. They could deliver the child early if her life is really at risk. Um, and uh, State Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's pro-life, who believes in treating both mother and child as a patient, recognizes this. The state Supreme Court recognizes this, that when a, a mother parents receive news of a prenatal diagnosis, that's recognizing a life-limiting condition with the child, not with the parent. And so this is just a strange case. And whether this woman was a pawn in kind of the pro-abortion agenda, or, you know, she had a beef with Texas, or, I, you know, I have no idea. But I believe that Texas, of course, ruled correctly in this case and held the line on the Texas abortion law, which protects life from conception to natural death, um, which is the way it should be from just a simple human natural law perspective, right?
So interesting case, Nate, really interesting case. Yeah, it is an interesting case and it's a really sad situation. And we don't ever want to make light of the very challenging situation that, um, you know, that a diagnosis like this is for a family in trying to process that diagnosis and trying to process what the what the rest of that pregnancy looks like and what the life of that child will look like. But yeah. the reality is that the life of the child is still deserving the protection that Texas has granted that child. That child mm -hmm. is still deserving the protection to continue to grow and to develop inside the womb and allow the natural process to take place while treating both mother and child to the best of our abilities. You know, the yeah. reality is, and we've talked about this so much, that early deliveries sometimes need to happen, mm -hmm. possibly to preserve the life of the mother. And, and there are situations for that. But if that was the case, and if that was to happen to, to be needed in this case, the goal would be to save the mother and to do the best to save the child as well. Not to intentionally take the life of the child because of some other reason, especially right. in this case, when this condition for the child does not cause harm to the mother. Right. And it's just a very unfortunate situation. And we need to be very clear and understanding the value of this life of this precious child, as well as the value of the life of this of this mother. And the desire is to make sure that both of them are protected and to right. not use this situation or any other situation to manipulate the abortion conversation either. And I don't yeah. know if that's happened here. You know, we, we could... We, we wouldn't know definitively if the abortion lobby is somehow involved in this situation. But from the information we have, it does appear that this that this mom may be an abortion activist of some sort, um, maybe from previously to becoming pregnant in this pregnancy. And we would hate that she would be being used in any way to you know further the discussion about abortion rights over a very challenging situation. A diagnosis like this is challenging. It's heartbreaking, but it doesn't mean that the child should be discarded. It doesn't mean that the child should be dismembered. And the reality is that abortion hurts women, especially later term abortion. And so for her claim that this abortion would somehow preserve her fertility in the future just doesn't line up with the facts. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, it's just so unfortunate. Like you said, it's um, and, and that picture that our producer just had up where a woman is holding up the sign that says abortion is health care. Uh, we think that this is Kate right here in the front. Uh, if we're understanding correctly, it could be wrong. Um, there very well is an agenda behind this. She has the means. I mean, I, I'm not obviously celebrating this, but she has the means to go to New Mexico Kansas, Colorado, why take Texas to task on this, right? And you've so aptly recognized, Nate, why do we need to put an innocent child who is a special needs child through a later term abortion procedure, which that child will feel at this stage, this child will feel pain. Right. And so where is the compassion for this child? There's a huge difference between putting a child through a procedure like this, putting a mother and a family through a procedure like this, which can be traumatic, and then delivering your child, and yes, finding yourself in the very tough, tough, unfortunate circumstance 
that you know you will have to cherish. The, I mean, I mean that's not a tough thing to cherish a child, but I'm saying the tough circumstance where you may have to look upon your child and let your child go, and that's 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 tough. But why do that through an abortion? Why say goodbye right now in this undignified way, in this painful way? I mean, physically painful way, at least to your child, if you don't have to do that. And this is why. These things just don't add up to me logically. And so prayers for Kate, prayers for her family, for her child. Um, we, we believe in the power of prayer here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life. We see it change things. So we pray for a softening of her heart and that God would use this situation to draw her and her family close to him. So we pray for a change of heart as she's on her way uh, to the, the next nearest late-term abortion facility. But we really needed to discuss this this morning because this is hot news and you know, these challenges are going to continue to come up in various states and people making these faulty legal arguments. We've got to be on our toes and, and ready to counter these things. So thanks, Nate. That's right. All right. Victory story time. That's right. It's time for a victory story. And today I wanted to highlight a few different things. You know, I wanted to just remind all of you listening that we now here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life have been able to celebrate almost 22,000 moms saved Moms served and babies saved in the almost 10 years through our advocates all across the country. And recently, one of our um, one of our team members was out in Denver, Colorado, visiting our newest Metro coordinator as they were preparing to do a training of new sidewalk advocates. And when they went out to the sidewalk on Friday, they were able to have some great interactions, giving out some gift bags and talking with people going in and out. But one interaction that really was impressed upon them was an interaction with a father after an abortion had been completed as he was coming back out and him being really receptive to receiving information, hearing about the resources that were available and taking information for um, support after abortion. You know, this is also a critical aspect of what we do and how we help to support communities and individuals coming in, going in and coming out of abortion facilities. That we would be able to celebrate every single victory and, and be there to encourage them on their journey of this pregnancy and on the journey to life. And we have such incredible stories at almost every day now about those. But also being there to be ready to provide information to those who are coming out after abortions have been completed, to provide them that sign of hope and provide them information for healing. So I wanted to highlight that this morning, as well as reminding you again about how incredible our work has been as we interact with mobile clinics around the U.S. You've heard me tell stories in the past about the mobile clinics that we work with and how incredible that interaction can be. Recently, again, in the Southeast, we saw another interaction of a mobile clinic when they were able to intercept the very first woman who showed up on the sidewalk that day. And she was able to come in for the mobile clinic visit where she got full medical information and made a solid decision for life. So again, today, I just want to kind of give you a couple of victory stories to think about and the impact that Sidewalk Advocates for Life is having. The now nearly 22,000 babies saved that we know of our opportunity to help those who are coming out of facilities after abortions to provide them with healing information and the incredible impact 
that we have when we work alongside our mobile clinic partners. Thanks, Lori. Great. Thank you, Nate. So good. Uh, we are so proud of our new Metro coordinators and now Denver and Los Angeles and Miami, Fort Lauderdale and beyond. And it's just really exciting to see the fruit from uh, those new folks on our national team and everything that they're doing. So uh, beautiful story. Thank you, Nate. All right, here's my tip for this week. I have the tip for the week and it is taking things to the next level. What does that mean? So I was actually thinking about this a lot the last 24 hours and I almost felt like this was a Holy Spirit led word for somebody that maybe you are really feeling like God wants you to take everything to the next level. Like maybe you've been getting by in some of your ministry on the sidewalk or in certain aspects of your life even, right? This is a life lesson. But when we're in front of an abortion facility, we have to remember that we're competing with multi-billion dollar Planned Parenthood, America's abortion empire. At the very least, you know, I know that we've all had moments where we feel like the battle between light and dark and good and evil when we're standing in front of an abortion facility is like a good old fashioned David and Goliath battle. And while we don't have maybe in and of ourselves or even here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life, billions of dollars behind our ministry, we do have truth and light and natural law on our side. And it doesn't take a whole lot to step up our game. You know, a little bit goes a long way, but it is important that we do make an investment, an investment of really presenting our best selves on the sidewalk and making sure that all of our materials are, you know, not stuck back in the 80s or that we have, you know, constantly home homemade signs out there. And I want to be fair, I've made homemade signs in uh, my day when I, you know, first started on the sidewalk, but I really have seen the importance of having a professional sign, of having professional literature, of being dressed in a way that makes me approachable of wearing a safety reflector vest and you know when I'm at the driveway inviting cars to stop and ensuring that I, I look like the professional that God has called me to be and I have hours of training so why shouldn't I dress accordingly the idea is we only have a small amount of time to make a big difference uh, to make an important first impression that it even encourages a car to stop or someone to come over and talk to us. And so a smile, a wave, making sure we're dressed in a way that says we're a trained professional, making sure our materials are woman-oriented, help-oriented. Um, they are done in a way that stands out from the road. Uh, when we're handing her literature, that it's it's tailored to the millennial and Gen Z woman. So I just want to encourage you to kind of stop and do a little bit of an inventory check. Look at yourself, look at your materials, look at um, how you approach people on the sidewalk. Um, are you even standing apart from someone who's being ugly on the sidewalk and maybe doing things that are unhelpful? You know, kind of take a little bit of an inventory, take stock of what you're doing and what you have with you. And is it at least for the most part, because <laughs> nothing's perfect. We don't expect anybody to be perfect, but is it as, as best it, as it can be at this juncture? What do you need to upgrade in what you're doing so that you put your best foot forward for that woman in crisis? It's not about us. It's not about what we think is effective. It's about what truly reaches her. Is everything that you're doing uh, pointed towards having the best chance to reach that mother and family in crisis? So again, food for thought, uh, that's my tip for the week and I hope that's a blessing to you. That's great, thanks Lauren. Absolutely. All right, now it's time for a special interview. Uh, we think we've had him on the show before, but 
it's about time that we had him back on to have another discussion about mobile units on the sidewalk and how they are game changers. So do we have a drum roll? We need a drum roll, producer. Do we have one? There it is. There it is. And with us this week, Eddie Perez, the founder, the CEO of Vans for Life. Good morning, Eddie. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Good to have you with us. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've had you on, so we're just going to kind of dive right in. Tell us a yes. little bit about you, your work in the movement, and how Vans for Life came to be. Sure. Um, well, <clears throat> I have been running a local pregnancy center here in San Antonio uh, for about 10 years now. And, and mm-hmm. um, about seven years into the ministry, we purchased a mobile uh, pregnancy center van to park mm-hmm. in front of two of the three abortion facilities here in San Antonio. And we had amazing success over about a year and a half period. Uh, we saved over 800 babies. Um, the abortion wow. facility that we parked in front of, um, they had to close their doors because we uh, had taken away basically their clients. So they didn't have any revenue. So they had to uh, shut their doors. So they were, um, uh, the van's the van was really successful. And we did see there were some other um, organizations other pregnancy centers across the country that also had some success as well. The challenge in the mobile pregnancy center uh, van space is that um, there was really no organizations that were getting um, multiple vans out there for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I understood that there's, you know, over, I think 700 abortion facilities across the country Theoretically, we need 700 vans. So how could we do that? Would that even be possible? Um, yeah. And so we looked, uh, started, we started shopping. Uh, we talked to some different uh, conversion van companies that are out there, and we found uh, an exceptional one, actually in Austin, Texas. And they are able to convert up to 100 vans a year. If, if we had the vans and we had the funding, they'd be able to do that for us. Um, so we started Vans for Life. Uh, we started um, a fundraising campaign. We did um, some fundraising uh, in different areas of the country. And um, we currently, where we're at right now, is we have three vans out there. One's in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. We have Ohio. Um, we're shipping one to um, uh, North Dakota, probably awesome. in the next week or two. And then we have six vans that are ready to go. Awesome. Um, we, just, we just need a buyer. Um, and and I think it's it's great timing because um, I think about a year after we started Vans for Life, Planned Parenthood came out and they said, well, we're going to start, we're going to get our own mobile vans to do abortions. Um, yeah. if, if they're going to do that, well, our weapon against that is to have a van that's going to follow them wherever they go. So um, making sure that the women that they're seeing have that option to come onto a pregnancy center help van that will, you know, obviously help them with with their pregnancy. Awesome. That's so awesome, Eddie. So help us understand, again, just for our greater audience, why mobile units? What what really is the big difference? Yeah. So we, we encountered a problem when I first started our pregnancy center much like a lot of pregnancy centers across the country, was about five miles away from the nearest abortion facility. Well, yeah. that's that's difficult. That's a challenge because the clients that we're trying to talk to 
um, they're going in the, the abortion facilities and, and, and we're five miles away. So I knew we needed to move. So we moved across the street from one of the abortion facilities um, and we had immediate success. We went from seeing about 200 girls a year to about 1,300 girls a year. And it was it was very, very quickly. So we knew that the model would work. But then about a year later, that abortion facility, um, they had the funding, they were able to move their office. Well, we had just signed a three-year lease. So now what are we going to do? So that's why um, we thought about the mobile pregnancy center, because if, a preg- if an abortion facility wants to move, we can move our van. And, and it's, it's, it goes into any public parking space. Um, it's, it's really convenient. It's right there. It has the uh, ultrasound, the counseling, uh, everything that the mother would need is on the van. So um, just having that mobility option um, to combat what the abortion industry is doing um, was the reason for it. Beautiful. Um, Eddie, you said that you've got uh, some vans that are ready to go as soon as the groups are ready to to purchase one. Um, yeah. How can people get a mobile unit from Vans for Life? Like, how can they get in touch with you? And then what does that process look like if they are ready to bring pregnancy help services right to the front door of the abortion facility? Sure, sure. So um, if you reach out to me and just go to vansforlife.org, uh, um, I can go through the details. I can send you some materials. But theoretically, Lauren, if you were calling me today and said, hey, Eddie, we want a van, um, I would say, okay, well, um, is, is is two weeks quick enough? Because <laughs> we yeah. can get it to you in two weeks. Um, so wow. the only thing is the vans are not wrapped. They don't have everything on the outside. Um, we will do that for you. We pay for that, but that takes about a week. And the reason we don't have those wrapped is because we want to put your website and your phone number on the van. So it takes about a week to do the wrap, takes about a week to get the van delivered to you and and you're off and running. We will also provide the background support. We will help you with training videos on how to operate the van. Um, And then we'll lean on um, Sidewalk Advocates for Life to help with the training and so forth to to help the affiliates understand, okay, now that we have this mobile van here, how do we utilize it to get the girls on the van? Because that's a different process than than what a lot of affiliates probably are doing, which is they're counseling the girl and they were wishing that there was a mobile pregnancy center availability um, right there in their city, but they don't have it. So they have to do that counseling on the sidewalk and it's a lot more difficult. So uh, we provide all that training. We'll help them in the background with fundraising. We'll we'll do whatever we can to support them, Um, but there's not a whole lot of paperwork. There's not a whole lot of you know, red tape or anything like that. It's, you know, you want the van, pay for it. We get it to you. Boom. Love it. So good. Well, hey, thank you so much, Eddie, for starting this ministry. Of course, you've been in the pregnancy help movement for a long time. And I mean, I can just tell you, you know, having led Sidewalk Advocates for Life with, for now, for about a decade, and then having been on the sidewalk for more than 20 years, um, when you have a mobile unit on site, it is an absolute game changer. You know, it, it so many times we're having to tell a woman, hey, help and real hope. I mean, of course, we have that in Christ, but, you know, the, the, the counter to Planned Parenthood is always our local pregnancy resource center. You know, it's not mm-hmm. enough to tell a woman don't have an abortion. It's, you know, here's where else you can go for help. It's a positive step forward. It's a positive move forward. And it really can help someone 
to abandon their abortion appointment or their consideration of abortion to send her to another place that can actually solve the crisis that brought her to the to the abortion facility in the first place. And we do see a difference when a pregnancy center is next door across the street. But again, we don't always have that luxury. And this is the gap that mobile units are filling, is that when we're able to point to the van and say, there's a nurse on the van, she can see you right now, right? We can get you everything that you need. We can get you set up with anything that you might need. That is a total game changer for life. And so... Thank yeah, you. yeah. There, there's a, a quick story, if I may. Um, yeah. The uniqueness of the van is, so North Dakota, when they asked to get a van a couple of years ago, abortion was legal in North Dakota. So yeah. they were planning on putting that in front of the local abortion facility. And there was a pregnancy center there as well, but this was going to kind of supplement mm-hmm. their their process. Well, yeah. By the time, you know, with COVID and everything, that delayed the the uh, conversion of the vans that we have. Um, by the time, and, and they're going to get their van probably in the next week, now North Dakota is abortion-free. Yeah. So the abortion clinic in North Dakota moved across state lines to Minnesota. Well, the um. local pregnancy center, they didn't move to Minnesota. They stayed. And that's probably right. what's mostly going to happen as these abortion facilities move. Well, now North Dakota, they just do a quick pivot and say, hey, the van we were going to get, we're just going to drive it across the border, you know, 15 minutes and yeah. park it in front of that abortion facility in Minnesota. They can also go on the other side of North Dakota to uh, Montana and do the same thing. Um, yeah. Once these pregnancy, once these uh, um, uh, affiliates use their van and let's say they don't need it, um, they could sell it back to us. They could sell it to another affiliate. Um, we can continue to use that van across the country. So it's yeah. a really, really good point. Um, like you said, where they go, we go mm-hmm. and we need to be there. And in post row America, it does seem like the abortion industry is on the move. So yeah. we need to become mobile too really good point yeah Yeah. well thank you for everything you and your beautiful wife susan are doing and your team at uh, a woman's haven and then at vans for life as well really appreciate you guys so yeah if anybody needs a van out there they just they just have you know came up with their whole fleet here vansforlife.org is the website contact eddie and his team and they love to walk you through step by step how you acquire one of those great tools so thank you eddie of course i appreciate it all right i'll talk to you soon beautiful all right. So awesome. Yeah, really, really good tool. I mean, I, again, I, I can't say enough about the, the goodness of mobile units and, and how that model has helped to save tens of thousands of babies from abortion. Yeah. So, you know, really a message to someone this morning that if you need one, there's there's a couple vans now sitting right there and waiting. Uh, and Eddie and his team will walk you through how to acquire one of those. So good. So it really is amazing, you know, and you when you think back to when um, Eddie Perez and, and his team first came to us at Silent Advocates for Life and the reality of what the partnership between mm-hmm. the mobile unit and Sidewalk Advocates did, you know, I think at times they were seeing a five times increase of the women that they were able to serve. And like Eddie said, hundreds, yeah. over 800 babies able to save in about an 18 month period. So really awesome. Mm-hmm. We're so cool for Eddie and what he's doing and for his continued partnership through Vans for Life.
Yeah, so good. Oh, awesome. So I'm trying to get my scripture real quick as we get ready for <laughs> our scripture reflection and prayer. My computer's giving me a challenge, so I had to grab my phone real quick to get to my scripture. So today I wanted to bring to you Psalm, Psalm 121, um, verse 1 and 2. And what it says here, and you may be familiar with this verse, is I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, the reality is that sometimes we may think that our help comes from here or there. Um, like even the psalm is saying, asking the question, does my help come from the mountains? No, our help doesn't come from those places. It comes from the Lord, him, you know, him alone. And he is the one who gives us help. He is the maker of heaven and earth. You know, so many times when we're doing the work that God has called us to, we can feel like, you know, a little overwhelmed or we may be questioning, where do I go next? How do I solve this problem that's in front of me? I just want to remind you today, maybe you're headed to the sidewalk this morning. Maybe you've already been there and you're listening to the podcast, you know, after you've left the sidewalk. I just want to remind you that no matter what is staring you in the face, our help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made the heavens, the one who has provided salvation to us, the one who's created everything that, you know, we see in creation. And he has a desire to be intimately involved in our life. He wants to be your help. He wants to help you as you work through the obstacles that you see around you. And he wants to be there to encourage you, to show you victory and to help propel you into the future. So again, I just want to encourage you today with Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. Go ahead and read all of Psalm 121. Maybe pick a few other Psalms to read today as well. As you take some time and meditate on the reality that God is our strength, He is our help, and that we can trust Him to always come through for us. And with that, if you would, let's pray together as we get ready to close the show. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be together again this morning. We thank you that you are continuing to show us the victory that is happening all around us in the seen and in the unseen. God, we're so thankful for Vans for Life and what they continue to do as they work to provide mobile, mobile clinics to, to folks all across America who are doing sidewalk advocacy and doing sidewalk outreach and desire to be right there at the abortion facility. God, we just pray that you would continue to bless their efforts, continue to bless the efforts of sidewalk advocates, continue to bless the efforts of all of those working in the pregnancy help um, organizations across America as we continue to be your hands and feet, as we continue to be available and to uh, continue to be those who have hope and help available to everyone entering and exiting the abortion facilities. God, we pray again for this, um, this young mom who's seeking an abortion outside of Texas after being diagnosed with tri trisomy 18 for her um, preborn child. God, we pray that you would be with her and her family, God, and that you would save this child and that you would help to open up the eyes of all of those that a life-limiting diagnosis does not mean that an abortion should be an option. God, we pray that you just continue to bless all of our efforts. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. 
Thank you to Thank all you. of you for joining us. We are so excited that you could be with us again for another edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate. We're going to be here next Friday for more prayer, more interviews, more awesome content. Come hang out with us. We love it. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See you soon. Have a great week. See ya.